You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 335, brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy members like you. I'm thinking about my doorbell when you're gonna ring it, when you're gonna ring it. Yeah, I'm thinking about my doorbell when you're gonna ring it, when you're gonna ring it. Yeah, I'm thinking about my doorbell when you're gonna ring it, when you're gonna ring it. Yeah, I've been thinking about my doorbell. Oh, well. Well, when the chips with the kids is not the man. Welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 335. My name is Ron Richards, and I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And Josh Flanagan with a lowercase l. Was that like a, like a slight Christopher Walken? I was, I 35? You had like, you, you did a thing. I don't do voices. Well, you you may not have meant to, but you did. We are from the website iFanboy.com that is all about the love of comic books. Are we just ooze with love of comic books? And every week, we go, every week we read a book. You bu- do that Southern guy, the colonel. <laughs> Every week, I haven't done the kernel in a long time. That's a mistake. Every week, we read a large stack of comic books, and then one of us writes a pick of the week review on the website at ifanboy.com. Then we come back here to talk about a lot of the comic books that came out, and we talk, hear about you, what you thought of them. We, we talk, we, we kvetch, we chat, we do the whole thing. Uh, now I'm channeling Steve Summers. <laughs> what that was? Before we get to the show, for, the, for those of you playing at home, a quick reminder slash warning. This is a review show. We're going to talk about what happens in the books. So if you get your book spoiled, it's not our fault. <laughs> was that? Was, I don't was know. That? What happened there? I, I tried to do Steve Summers and then I lost it. This you only, that was like Mike Francesa for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be a lot more sedate. <laughs> That's three. <laughs> you do voices. <laughs> you see, the Mike Francesa is actually a sedated Dan DiDio voice. Yes. I don't yeah, know right. what these comics are supposed to be. They <laughs> should know, be illegal. I don't know who they think they're fooling. <laughs> I don't right. know. This week, Connor has the pick. Connor, take it away. It was a big week. Big week. Such a big week. It was they did they backed the truck up and dumped the comics on us. They did. And, uh, the thing was, they were mostly pretty good. Yeah, mostly. So it was it was a week where you know if you have a week like this where I, I had like almost thirty books where if if they're not good you really hate your life and your comics and everything like that's going on. But I was pl- plowing through the stack because it was a re- really good fun week of books. But at the end of the day, and I was really hoping it wasn't going to be this book because <laughs> we've picked it or and its companion book quite a bit. For good reason, it's a great book. But I was just like, "Oh man, again!" And uh, that sounds like I was had a negative reaction, but I didn't. But it's just kind of like, you know, you 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 don't want it to be the same book over and over. But it was Fantastic Four six hundred five point one, which I wasn't happy about picking a point one book. But what are you gonna do? It's it was the best. It was. The, <laughs> ah, you get this is the uh, we talked about this last time I picked a Fantastic Four book, and when Ron picked the FF book, Hickman's run is over pretty much. His epic stories ended. He's just fucking around now. I, and I kind of like that the most. I respect the hell out of it. <laughs> He's just telling one-shot stories. And they're and just he, like, hey, we need a point one. He's like, all right. And the funny thing was, and you don't know if to believe it or not, because mo- comic book marketing is always taken with a huge grain of salt. But in the back page, they were like, Hickman had this story to tell. We had nowhere to put it. So we said, yeah, let's just put it in a point one issue. Uh, so what this issue is, is basically it is a what-if story. And I, this is funny because I, I mentioned this in my review. I was at a comic store earlier this week. I never looked through the back issue bins, but I, was, I had to kill some time. And I, I started looking through it. I found the what-if you know, you know, trove. 
And I went through that section remembering all the what if books I used to love. Oh, I as love a kid. the what if. I love the what if. And what we have here is basically a what if story. And well, it's, but it's, it's not a what if story because it's. But it, 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 well, it takes place in an alternate earth and it ties into the end, which we'll get to in a minute. But it's basically a what if story at its heart. It's what if the Nazis had won World War II and then the, and then Fantastic Four you know, works for Hitler and goes. You know, it's basically what, what, what would the Fantastic Four be like in a world where the Nazis won World War II? Yeah. It's, it's the basic premise of the story in that Hitler wants to explore space. Dr. Reed Richards, who works for Hitler, is tasked with finding a team. They, they get Sue and, and Johnny Sturm. Who are the most ruthless soldiers in the army, apparently, and then they pull uh, Ben Grimm out of the concentration camp in Boston, which is the entire city, because he's the best pilot. That, that's, that was the only thing that made sense. <laughs> he's he was Jewish <laughs> oh, pilot, and then uh, they find Doctor Doom, and so then they go into space. It's basically the origin story told through the lens of a what if tale of what if uh, the Fast and Four lived in a world with Nazis in World War II, but it ties into the regular Marvel continuity when it's revealed that this Reed is actually one of the Reeds from the Council of Reeds, the bearded who, Reed. We met a while ago. But this was creepy. It was when Reed discovers Dr. Doom, who's as smart as he is, who's got some great ideas. He cuts up his brain and puts it in his own brain. <laughs> and, and I don't know how the, I don't even know how the, I, did that once. I don't even know how the medical science works for that. But apparently <laughs> just cut your head open, take, take another dude's brain, stiff it in there, and, and it melds with your brain. That's how it works. And then exactly how it works. <laughs> the uh, the Fantastic Four come down. They're not quite as mutated the way you remember them being mutated, or they are mutated in the regular world. The thing looks different. Johnny's an ice person. Sue's got fire. Got fire. Um, is, is that the politically correct way to put it? He's an ice person. <laughs> He's an ice person. And so then then basically Reed uses the Fantastic Four to kill Hitler, take over the government, and become the ruler of the planet. He fights the Magneto. He fights the X Men. He fights the Avengers, and he gets the fan. It basically becomes sort of a montage scene at the end until he reaches the point where we, we met him originally in the, old, in the other Fantastic Four world. It reminded me of those great books that I read where you just take a familiar Marvel story, you put a twist on it, you see how it changes. And you get and lost. It, you just get totally lost. Yeah, and it's, it's just fun. And, and it also is very similar tonally to the Manhattan Projects, which also came out this week, which we're going to talk to you about in a minute, in that you take history, you, you, you change it, you add a little fantastical element to it, you add some sci-fi to it, and and you use historical characters. And in that sense, reading these two books almost back-to-back this week was really interesting because it's very much similarly, similarly written. He's um, just double-dipping on his research. <laughs> and I love the fact that, I don't know if they do it intentionally, but they basically keep making Reed Richards into a really bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> they really, they, they really, someone, someone got the bug in it where they, that, that Reed as villain, and that's been, the, and, and Hickman and, and Bendis, and, and especially over in the, in the Ultimate Universe, they've been, they've been just running with that. Yeah, he's back villain. In the Ultimate Universe. Yeah. He's pretty much a bad guy in Marvel Civil War. Yeah, and now here he's here. This is this is Reed, you know, using his brain to take over the world and be a bad dude. Well, he's like you know, science without morals, really. Yeah, yeah. He just is a force of intelligent nature. Total I guess. Pr- pursuit of curiosity and, and yeah, it's and, also it, the nature of a dictator to say, "I know what's best, and I'm going to make everyone do what I say because yeah. I'm the smartest guy there is." So in that sense, he's a natural dictator. Yeah, he's Doctor Doom, basically. Yeah. But uh, I loved the heck out of this. I loved every bit of it. I loved. I loved the. Uh, I loved the evil Reed. I loved. I loved the twists and turns. I loved the montage. I mean, I, I think I love the fact it was a one shot story that also tied into the overall story that Hickman's been telling. I think the fact that he's doing his one shots is great. They're a nice change of pace. I mean, you you can read this story without knowing anything about his run. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. And and I guess that's why it fits as a point one. But it easily could have been one of the issues, and because it explores the Council of Reeds. And I, I mean, honestly, I would read the last page shows all the Council of Reeds and all the various reads. I would read the an issue for each one of these to know where they came from. 
Right. Like that's not, that's I mean I love alternate universes I love you know like all that that whole concept and playing like you said playing with a concept and and tweaking it slightly and I want to know why there's a Cyclops read and why there's a on fire read and why there's a stony guy with a cape on read you know like He's a, we call it fire person um, <laughs> yeah I know I thought I thought this was great but I don't know if it deserves the total heralding because if you ask me Mike Choi is not very good and, but although this is probably the best Mike Choi we've seen in a while. Yeah, I think um, by far. The last time we saw him, I think for me, was Green Lantern, and that was a oh, disaster. That was that a disaster. Was so but bad. I thought his style was much more appropriate here. Even had a little bit of a Nick Patara feel to it. Yeah, in, in I mean, it was super cleaner. I don't know how much the colorist. I've never heard of this colorist, but Chris Peter. Um, I think the colorist really helped him a little bit because there's no inker on it. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, and I think he clearly needs an inker or some somebody to help him. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just I was surprised that this was probably the the better better Mike Choi than we've seen. But even then, you know, I, it's it's still a little lackluster in that regard. But the now, con- but now, the story concept, ca- I, I guess, I guess, picks up for the poor art. So a, a point one issue. Yeah, well, supposed there, to be a jumping on. There's, there's no there's no rhyme or reason to the point one issues. I, I realize but. it's complete. Yeah, it's a complete. It's a and the the original intended concept is so far gone. So it didn't work. So yeah. yeah. So it just no. Makes, this this is not a jumping on point. You wouldn't you wouldn't take this this issue and follow forward. It's it's not what that. It's just not. And because if they took it, I guess it's a way that they don't have to do. I don't want to say mini series or but like one shots that aren't related. But if you put it in the numbering, then people will buy it. But if if he's doing a series of one shots for the rest of the year, then why not just make like I, I'm curious yeah, what six oh six is going to be. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just dumb. The whole thing yeah. is dumb. But I, I don't really Those, care. These them. these kind of issues used to just be. They just show up, yeah, yeah, exactly. Every once in a while, which I think you can still do. There's nothing wrong. You with You totally that. can do it. It yeah. would be great. Yeah. Well, Grant Morrison couldn't get away with it in Action Comics. Seriously, yeah, yeah, it was, he it was yeah, weird. He could, that, it, it, that last issue was great. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah, yeah. You're right. Well, yeah. when it wasn't good. Well, so when get away with it if it's really good. The story's bad and they don't get away with it. No, the other thing is he interrupted his story halfway through. It wasn't like he finished something. Yeah, it's got to be good. Now the other book that was almost picked with Justice League number nine, which I think is. If you can take two issues in a row, it's officially on a roll. Uh, again, I think I think the problem with this book originally was that it started in a weird place. Yep. And the story didn't really get going until you got to the present. And I don't know that they they effectively mined the past. So let's not worry about the past. Let's worry about the present. The present is this character Graves, who we've been teasing. They've been teasing the, in these books for a while. Is this writer, and he's got cancer, and or some sort of disease. And uh, the Justice League didn't save him. They weren't the gods he thought they were, and he, he, he and so he becomes a villain. But to me, there's this great character work, great Jim Lee art. I, th- I thought ostensibly this could be like if you haven't been reading Justice League, you could. This jump is a great on, number one. Point. Yeah, you could totally jump on here. I, I yeah. thought you know it was almost like this should have been the first issue, almost you know like, it feels like uh, the nines across the board have been. Yeah, they have been kind of written that way, which is strange. Yeah. Maybe it's after the trade. And it's also like they're just introducing a second wave now. Yeah, yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. All right, good, good job, DC. Um, that but, one thing. What I thought was interesting was we see the presence of the Flashpoint letter. Yes. So that still exists. That's still in play. And honestly, not doing the Gary Frank Shazam as a as a regular series is 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 a crime because this this the Shazam stuff I'm loving more than the Justice. Well, I, I think thing. it's because he can handle doing five pages. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if you ask me to do 22 or 20, it's not going to work. This but. has been great. No, the, 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 flat, the Shazam story is wonderful. Yeah, the Shazam story is really good. Really good. It's, and it's, it's Billy's first day at school. But I think, the, I think just Justice League has, has been really – I think the little touches to the looking back at all the characters and seeing their little brief little histories. This is a great issue of yeah. Justice League. Great characterization of Superman, you know, being a, the Daily Planet. And Lois takes the whole staff out to lunch except for Clark and 
and he's gonna have to do it until Batman texts him to ask him if he has lunch plans, which is actually to go fight crime. And, and it's just it was it was a great little issue. <laughs> I, I think this is the stuff you thought Jeff Johns would write when he was announced as the writer of Justice League. Mm-hmm. Huh. The other book there was three great books I read this week. One was Fantastic Four. One was Justice League. The other was Theory Max number two. Oh, so, which, this is so good. I bought this, yeah. but because number one came late, I forgot to read that, so I'm I didn't get to read this. Oh, you this, talk this, about this, it. This book is for you. I'm really looking forward to listen, it. I mean, that's wh- why. Listen, just one, just one sentence sums it up. Jesus Christ, you fucking incredible bitch. <laughs> and the response? You sil- I don't get you, how that's any different than the, most of our conversations. The response? You silver-tongued bastard. <laughs> I mean, and then they have sex. No, no that's long as right as they finish. It's, ama- oh, it's okay. amazing. This is, I, I mean, Ennis and, and Parlov are just killing it on this book. This book is so good. It's so <laughs> This is old school Ennis. Yeah. This is this is the Ennis we used to love all the time. In the, but, but the thing is, is it's, it's not extreme, like out there. Like no, yeah. but it's it's mil- it's military, which is what he's great at. It's a hard nosed character, which is what he's great at. Yep. But it's also the fun of seeing Nick Fury, you know, doing stuff he's not allowed to do in the in the six point six universe. And Parloff is a great companion to his to his work. Yeah. He's not an artist I'm very familiar with, but he's he's really really solid. Well, they work got, together on Punisher Max. All right. Oh, that's so right. The, so they're being kind of reunited on this, but this is like this. Uh, I mean, like I, I'm I'm I, two issues in, and I'm like, oh, why is this only three issues? I don't think it's three. I think it's twelve. I thought it was three. No, I think they've already solicited past three. Oh, okay, then I'm wrong. Um, um, good. I'm glad then. Then we win. I thought it was a three issue mini. It's wonderful. Yeah. And it, it, I really wish Josh you'd gotten a chance to read it because yeah, it, I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I just it's Nick forgot. Fury in Indochina right before the Vietnam War explodes and with hiding in a bowl of rice, <laughs> with his CIA handlers and and ex German French Foreign Legion commanders that he's got to work with and and uh, th- this issue they were attacked by the Viet Cong or I guess whoever you want to call them back then uh, the, the natives and uh, there's a giant bloody brutal battle in the middle of it. Nobody wins what? and oh, what's great. the year? Is it? It's 54. God, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. It's really, really good. <laughs> that's so good. Well, talk about, um, talk about fantastic. My pick of the week, again, was Manhattan Projects number three. And it just like each issue, it, like each issue just gets deeper and a little wider and a little more crazy and had the most fun reading this issue. So for me, I, I liked it. I thought the, the same thing with Saga, which we'll get to in a minute. I thought they both were very sort of low-key issues, which were fine. Well, it's this not was a bad co- thing. This wasn't low-key at all. This was the bomb. This is the this is the story of the atom bomb, the, the the real Manhattan Projects. And we find out that when FDR died, the Manhattan Projects took his body, shoved the thing in his head, and sucked out FDR's intelligence and created and are going to create an FDR robot. Yeah, the supercomputer FDR. That's fantastic. And the and the and the, and the hand wringing Truman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a very different Truman story than I'm used to. Yeah. The, the hand wringing Truman was fantastic. Where Truman getting a phone call two minutes after getting sworn in from the general, going, "We have to decide whether you want to drop this bomb," and he's just like, "No." And he's like, "Oh, and I can't hear you." <laughs> <laughs> On the one hand, laughing at Hiroshima is not funny. That's yes. true. <laughs> On the other hand. As as a comedic set piece, it's very funny. Yeah. No, I mean this. What? What's that? What's so? I what, what? What's so? Fu- <laughs> what's so? What's so interesting about this? Like the, the the opening prelude, the first two pages of Einstein, where you know he's just staring at that monolith, and and what's his name Feynman comes in and says, hey, we you know we need your help. We're working on the bomb project, and we've got two solutions to to, to deliver it, and what you know we can't figure out which one, and just Einstein being just. 
point to the point, just build them both. You know, and just like and it just sets the stage and then the issue just gets crazier. He's one of the yeah, it gets crazier and crazier, and then you get to this one splash page, which is dead FDR in his wheelchair, <laughs> right? And I just was like, "Oh shit!" And then they go to find so FDR dies, and they go to find Truman, and what is he doing? He's in full Masonic uniform, leading some sort of Masonic thing, and the Secret Service bursts in to take him to go swear him in. <laughs> just like it's it's touching on every little conspiracy theory nerve craziness like what if all this stuff was true and it, it, i just i don't know i'm just and it's it's playing with that history kind of history's mysteries kind of aspect to it and i, I don't each issue just each issue surprises me in ways that I, I i can't expect and this book probably gets the gets the nod because the last page features which probably should have been the first page or the inside cover but um a page of the cast yeah. So, which yeah. really helps because it tells you who they are. You get a, a picture, picture of their head and what they're known for. And these are even funny too. Like Einstein, super genius, German physicist, drinks. <laughs> Richard Feynman, super genius, American physicist, invented hair gel. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's great. No, it's good. It's just, it's just that they're, we've, we've settled settled in now. And that's <laughs> so the, the pacing is a little different. So Harry S. Like- Truman, not a genius, American president, Freemason. <laughs> It's great. He's gonna, Hickman's going to get murdered. <laughs> I know. I really think so. He's really dancing on on graves. I don't know. I love it. I think it's great. It's 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 so good. Scalped fifty eight time because there's only three issues left. Is it two left? Uh, well, yeah. No, this counts as the yeah. third. So yeah, fifty nine and sixty to go. We're starting right off at the cover. Skeleton face graveyard. Carol face. That's nuts. That's amazing. By the way, Jock did not get nominated for an Eisner, which is the dumbest thing in history of time. Uh, B, I can't believe he shot him. Yeah. And there was a really good shootout, and Dash shaved his head again, which I thought was helpful for recognition, but also thematic purposes as well. It was the um, B.A. Baracus moment. Yeah, it's totally ramping up, and, and I – like the, I just, the pacing has been so strong through these last few. That you, you sort of, it's not that it's light, it's just that you're flying through it because you want to know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's, it, everything fits. Every, there's nothing happening here. It's like we've got to end this story, so have somebody do something that's, that's not in character. It's all just ticking along, and it's so much fun. I'm really looking forward to a satisfying conclusion. The thing that I love about this is there's no predicting anything. No, I have no idea what's going to happen. You, you, things, there's a lot of things that happen in this issue that there's no way you'd have known. And, and I love the fact that the kid who we met many issues yeah. ago, who and, and we've so, seen from time to time, yeah, but who's sort of innocuous. He was a nice kid in the beginning. Bad stuff happened to him, and now he's kind of being set up as the new Red Crow, which you know it would fit into the theme of this book because just yeah. bad shit happens to people all the time. There's a power vacuum. Somebody's got to grab it. Why not me? And uh, the seat with Carol and Red Crow in the grocery store where she was $1.38 short of her food and he had a $100 bill wouldn't give her any money and she didn't put the, the food back. There were a lot of red herring type scenes. You thought, yeah. oh, okay, Red Crow and Dash are going to team up. Nope, no, they're not. Oh, oh, he's going to help his daughter and they're going to reconcile. No, they're not. This is, that's not how this is going to go. Yeah, which makes uh, me terrified for the ending. Yeah, yeah. Which is, but great, also, which is great because you, yes. shouldn't know, you shouldn't know what's going to happen. You shouldn't be able to predict it. Although it should feel natural and organic and like it makes sense, you shouldn't still be able to predict what happens, which is the best kind of writing. Yeah. Um, also very good this week. I, it was actually um, – I don't want to say it was a surprise, but the shade number eight, which yep. was a, a uh, sort of one-and-done story in this with Jill Thompson on art, not looking like Jill Thompson but looking a lot more like Steve Dillon actually. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, I, was, I was actually a little disappointed by the art. I, when when I saw Jill Thompson was doing it, I was expecting flowery and, and I thought it was cool. Yeah, no, I didn't think it was I, bad. I was just surprised I, to see that it was very uh, traditional, sequential. I yeah, it was in really the same sense, it was very un un yeah. Big Two style. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. traditional, sequential, but not in a style that the Big Two would ever put in a book normally. Yeah. Well, further, it just felt like it made it feel more like a Vertigo book. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I loved this story. Yes. I loved the fact that he met his was grandson or great grandson, and they grandson. were yeah. in an opium house. Yeah, and there was no like all the morals of everything. I thought I re- I thought that Robinson's prose all through this, from the dialogue to you know the sort of the shade journal part, was was fantastic. It was just so fun to read, and I, I just I was finding myself really falling in love with the words. And it's one of those times where you you can you can rarely get away with people ha- talking like that in comics and having it not be hokey, but it, it worked in this really well. And and I think that I, I know that we're however eight many issues in or something like that, and this comes out every four minutes, as far as I know. But he's actually like the shade's starting to feel more and more like the shade to me as we keep going, as opposed to like a, a little bit like oh, it's been a while. Is this is this exactly right? It just it felt good. It was fun. I, I it's the times past basically. Like it, it was. That's, always that's what it cover says on the cover. A yeah. tale of times past. Yeah, I, I loved it. I, was yeah. I love that. Except for the brief scene in the middle, it's mostly just a conversation between the shade and his grandson. Yeah, with one fit, one one side knowing and one not. Yeah, I, this is this this is like a slipping into a comfortable jacket or something. This just yeah. you slide back into this world that that he created all those years ago, and it it, it fits perfectly. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it it doesn't feel bad like going back and being like this isn't like it was, you know, which can happen sometimes in comics and other things. Great, greatish, another, you know, like, I was handing out five stars like they were candy this week, mm-hmm. which was great. That's what um, to do. Another wonderful thing uh, is that uh, we are brought to you by, and we are part of graphically.com, which is a comic book store. That's one thing you can do to get digital comics that way. But another way, if you are a creator or a publisher and you want to get your stuff out to the world, then uh, graphically.com has what we think is a very, very good solution to do that. If you have you know, previously been on a, on a comic book store, you know that digital or otherwise, you know you have to get comic book people to go there. But what if you could take all your stuff and easily put it into all the sort of major digital bookstores, whether they went into Amazon Kindle or Barnes & Noble Nook or Kobo or iBookstore or any of that stuff? The place where people have those devices and people are looking for books there, we see that as a really good way for creators to get their stuff in there. And what we've done is come up with a really good way for you to do that. So get over to graphically.com and you can sort of find out about how that works if you're a creator. And also, you know, if you want to just use the, uh, if you want to put your stuff up on the the free tools, you can have it up on Facebook. You can have it up on the Graphically Marketplace. There's all sorts of really great marketing and branding tools for creators to use in that way. And it's just a lot of really good opportunities uh, for you to get your stuff out there. Um, from a creative standpoint. And then, you know, if you're just a reader, there's dozens and hundreds of really wonderful books on the system by indie creators from all across the spectrum, you know, all the way up through current books from that, that you know and love already. Cool. So get over there and, yeah. uh, and uh, see, what, see what we got for you. Excellent. Guys. It's a big week. Guys, it's a big week. So, you know what that um, means. There was the, we were talking before the show, trying to figure out what to talk about in the show. We couldn't, we couldn't fit on our, our normal 10 or 11 books, so it's time for... <gasps> Not only is it that, but it's super, Connor. It's super it's, bell time. It's super bell time. Now, if you haven't heard this before, I don't know the last time we did the bell, but it's been, it's been a while. I don't remember. Uh, when, when we have an overload of books we want to talk about, we can't decide what to do. We bring out the bell, and that means each one of us has 15 seconds to talk about a book, and then the bell rings... And you have to move on to the next book. There's a lot of books. We've never done this many books in a bell well, segment before. Well, basically, this is a historic show. Yeah, the reason why we're doing Super Bell 
is because there were so many books we wanted for the first time ever in honor of the Super Bell to review every book we read, our entire stack. It, does, it sounds like the normal bell. <laughs> no, but it's a Super I, Bell. I well, it, but it sounds exactly – anyway. anyway. <laughs> it's just, yeah, about every, wanna... just about every book, yes. So just about, I'm, I'm talk, We're talking about every book I bought. All right, I, think, I think it's all of them. I what's can't, missing? At one point, there was a lot of books being thrown around, and I just kind of ducked for cover. Well, then. I wow. think it's all my books. There's nothing left. I've got them all in front of me. You duck a lot. Though. By the end of the show, we will have reviewed over 40 books. This has never been done before. Yeah, no, it's all my books. Okay. Okay. Ready? Uh, so we're going to so again, once again, 15 seconds on the clock. I've got a little timer here, and the bell rings, and you must stop. The next person goes, and they got 15 seconds, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, all right. So Ron will start us off right. in three, two, one, go. Avengers vs. X-Men, issue number four. Hickman writing, Wolverine wearing a polar bear as a jacket. They're on the blue area of the moon. Eh, I give it a B. I'm still, I'm still hanging by a thread with the whole event. It's still feeling very contrived to me. Uh, but the Wolverine and the polar bear with the beer was kind of... I'm going to say with Wonder Woman 9, uh, Tony Aiken's back again for a little while. I really like all the mythology stuff. It's interesting. It has nothing to do with DC. Um, it'll, at the beginning, I was a little bored, but by the end, I was like, all right, I'm in this. I want to know how it goes. The designs are still... <laughs> Saga number three uh, continues. I, lo- I love the elements he's adding in. He's bringing in new characters. He's attached this new ghost person to their group now, and that'll be an interesting uh, sort of element to it. Plus the fact that there's a na- really nice cliffhanger, which makes you want to get the next issue. Avengers vs. X-Men verse number, I don't even know, two. Um, X-Men finally get a win. Colossus beats Spider-Man, although um, at the end of it, yeah. Spider-Man and Daredevil kind of fly off in Latveria, and I can't really tell what they're swinging the webs from because it just <laughs> there's no background, so <laughs> that kind of sucked. Um, and Steve McNiven wrote, and it's bad. Uh, John Connor, Gods of Mars, number three. Number one was pick of the week a while ago, and this is just more fun. If you read John Carter as Han Solo... It's even better. It's basically it's basically the same thing in this, and he starts a revolution, and then there's a you know, a, damn it. Speaking of one character as another, in DC Universe Presents number nine, it's the new new arc written by James Robinson, featuring Vandal Savage as Hannibal Lecter and his daughter as Clarice Starling, and she basically is a serial killer. He was a serial killer, and then now she needs his help to find the new serial killer. It seems very convenient that your ding happens right as you finish. Well, because I can watch the timer. Uncanny X-Men number 12, Greg Land must be stopped. He's using his own time up here. Finally had but enough. He only had one thing to say. Um, Hepzibah's back and Greg Land, um, bad. Thunderbolts 174. This is some time travel, canoodling, screwing up your head kind of stuff. Uh, if you like this kind of weird time travel stuff, as I know Ron does. Love it. This was crazy. How is this? Is, this book is so much fun. I don't care that they're changing the title next time. Winter Soldier uh, wrapped up a great arc, I thought. He's, it's, it's very much in the 70s vein, and it's very much in that old Brubaker Captain America vein with giant apes and Doctor Doom and, and Blackwood with giant hair that she shouldn't have. Again, uh, Avengers number 26. Um, if you're, it is a uh, cheat. <laughs> I happen to be enjoying Walt Simonson purely for yes. the facial expressions. Uh, to see to see the look on Novar's face at the end of this issue was fantastic. When he swore an oath, I laughed. <laughs> BPRD Hell on Earth, The Devil's Engine, number one. Uh, they, this had the best action sequence at the end. of they, they had to run off a really crowded train, and there was a big earthquake, and the train got derailed, and it was a huge disaster. And I was like, that is how you do a comic book action sequence. Uh, and I would... Tw- 
<laughs> Dancer number one continues Image's hot streak. It's an issue from uh, the the writer. Oh, oh fuck! There's too much going on. You're not gonna do 15 seconds on this one. No, it's very good. Sorry, I, I, I blew it. <laughs> I really like Dancer. X Factor number 236. Um, there's a big, huge crossover event going in Marvel, and X Factor is not in it. That's an accomplishment of its in and of its own, and they added back the heads in the upper left-hand corner of the cover. I loved it. Uh, great, 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 great book from Peter David and Leonard Kirk. Saucer Country number three. Paul Cornell and, and Ryan Kelly. This is getting better the whole way through. This is a wacky comic book. This is fun stuff. I hope people are checking this out. Crazy alien conspiracies and just all sorts of stuff. And Nightwing number nine is one of the many Night of the Owls books that came out this week, and it was good. Uh, Kyle Higgins is probably doing the second best Bat book right now behind Batman. Eddie Barrows is just destroying. Retcon. Yeah. Daredevil number 13. If you wondered if it was possible for there to be a bad issue of Daredevil, it can happen. And you can thank Koi Fom for that and Mark Wade. Uh, this issue was clearly not of the standard uh, uh, level of quality that we've come to expect from this title. And it was really, really disappointing, actually, by the end of it. Um, and let's just get to Mike Allred soon. Activity number six. They're focusing on the backstories of these characters going back and seeing them in different situations uh, throughout the world's conflicts. And I th- I thought this one was really good. Just like the last one I thought was really good. We're, we're finally getting to know some of the characters. Uh, and it- Green Lantern, the animated series number two, is the best Green Lantern comic book <laughs> being put out right now. And it's an adaptation of the cartoon. And that's... that's <laughs> it says it all. That says it all. I mean, it's, it's just Green Lantern in space doing space stuff. That's what I want from Green Lantern book. Cue the ding. Glory number 26. I'm really liking the direction Glory is going because it's not what I expected at all. And it just gets it gets stranger and odder. And, and that last page had me where I just I can't wait for the next issue. So I'm really... Sixth Gun number 22. Drake Sinclair and Becky Moncrief are wonderful characters. And yes. they have so much life in them and so many directions that they can go as we keep going through this. And, uh, you know, I, I think Brian Hurt is one of the most underappreciated artists working out there uh, right now. Great storytelling. Between the bell and the list and the timer and the comics, I'm completely losing my track of everything. But Catwoman number nine was another tie into Night of the Owls. It was good. <laughs> Just take a breath now. We Hold have time. On. Two seconds. And go. New Mutants number 42, the third chapter of the Exiled crossover. Um, really good, but so many words. <laughs> and this is this is Abnett Lanning. So many words and Asgardian, but it's really good. Um, and having a lot of fun with it. This crossover is delivering what they promised. Breathe. <laughs> I think there's a mistake in the script. I know. We're going to ding it through. Supergirl number nine. Uh <laughs> I've, I just completely lost track of everything. We're gonna start over. Supergirl number nine uh, has been okay. It was. It's. It's been. So, it's, <laughs> I, I was really enjoying this book up until the last two issues. The, the last issue had George Perez art, which is good, but the story is kind of okay. But uh, I still enjoy the character, so I'm staying sticking with it. Venom number eighteen. Uh, Remender and is joined by Cullen Bunn co-writing it. It was good, but I can't help but to think that the Land Medina art is taking something a little bit away from this title, um, as the art wasn't as dynamic and and kind of explosive as as I've come to expect in this book. But all in all, it was good. And Flash revealed that he is Venom to Betty, and that was a big shocker at the end. Conan the Barbarian number four sees the exit. I don't know if temporarily of uh, Becky Cloonan. And uh, this is also the first story that Brian Wood is doing on his own, not based on an existing uh, Conan story. Um, and I forgot to read it. 
<laughs> the Incredible Hulk number 7.1. Uh, one thing the Avengers movie taught me is I love that Hulk, and I don't really love the Hulk as he stands now in the Marvel Universe. It's not really Jason Aaron's fault, just the, sort of the, you know, the whole direction otherwise. So I didn't really love this because I don't really like this Hulk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the Secret History of D.V. Cooper number three. I really like where this book is going. Um, big revelation, uh, big reveal in this issue, and uh, taking a turn that I didn't expect, and it's just getting crazy Crazy, crazy uh, CIA Russian uh, fantasy land. Hellblazer number 291. John turns down sex from one person because he's married and then has sex with a hooker because it was part of a spell for somebody else. So apparently that's okay. That doesn't they count. S- no, it doesn't. They screw up demon, John's demon twin who had raped his niece. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Captain Adam number nine. I still love the art from Freddie Williams II. It's very loose and sketchy, unlike his old sort of cl- uh, very cold and clinical style. Uh, these, this to current storyline I'm not loving as much. It's an expo- exploration of the future where Captain Adam kills everybody. <laughs> Did you just dig yourself? I dig myself. Batwoman number nine. Uh, Trevor McCarthy on art. J.H. Williams and W. Hayden Blackman still writing. I'm out. I, I didn't even buy it's, this. It's a shadow of its former self. I'm out. I'm done. Good. Four seconds of fan. Still done. Nice work. I'm out, too. I've been out. I dropped it as well. Shadow number two. I'm going for the trifecta. I uh, was behind on the first one, and so I didn't read the second one. But I'm looking forward to it. Garth Ennis. Apparently, I don't read Garth Ennis books. That's what's happening. (laughs) You you love Preacher. No, no. I mean, I do read them. I just not Shut up, Bill. Birds of Prey number nine, the third uh, Night of the Owls tie-in, and this had the first. This was the art with Travel Foreman, uh, which wasn't quite the same as the stuff on on uh, Birds of Prey. I mean, I'm, I'm Animal Man. I'm, I got two things to look at. Ah! <laughs> the Secret, the Secret <laughs> Service number two. Um, this is shaping up to be the uh, Mirror Universe Wanted. Uh, this, this issue, the kid gets pulled into the Secret Service by his uncle, and now he's going to get trained as a spy. And it's kind of like uh, a kid getting pulled into a world world that's bigger than him, but for good guys. Cheaters. Wow, that was 32 books in, in less than 10 minutes. <laughs> I love it. I love the bell. I got assigned one book twice. I was like, sweet, I'm going to give 30 seconds. <laughs> Super bell. Super bell. Lot, Super bell. There's a lot to keep track of on my end. There's a we lot need, of things to look at. We need, we need some sort of sound effects for the Super bell. Super bell. You get to, you get to at least look at the countdown time. I was like, Do I, is all I got? And then half of my end with and... Yeah. We need to figure out some way for us to see the counter. All anyway, go on. So those are the. Oh, bo- I, I like the mystery. Those were all the books we read this week. <laughs> but you read books as well. You read books we didn't read, and you went to ifanboy.com. You put them on your pull list. And you came back and rated and reviewed them, and then you gave us the top five picks of the week. And here they are. Number five is Lock and Key Clockworks. Number six with five point eight percent of the picks of the week. Number four was Connor's pick of the week with Fantastic Four six hundred five point one with eight point nine percent. Do you think the pick of the week? Us de- deeming a pick of the week gives a book a bump. Depends on the book. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes more people will pick it up because of it. Whether right. they think it's the best, I think that's usually on the book's merit. I'm always curious about that. Anyway, number three was Justice League number nine. A lot of people agree to Connor's asser- assertion, and 9.4% of the, of the iFanboy community actually agree to Connor's assertion that it's a, a, good, a good look on Justice League number nine. Number two, people agree with me on the Manhattan Project's number three with 11.2% of the pick of the weeks. Everyone agreeing that book is fantastic. But the number one book of the uh, of the week, according to the iFanboy community, was Saga number three. Brian K. Vaughn continues his stranglehold every week uh, Saga comes out with 40.5% of the picks of the week. Strong. Yes, very strong. So there you have it. Those strong. are the picks of the week. Reviews. 
Matt. This is the wrong name. It's, it's Andrew Gabori reviewed Green Lantern Corps number seven. There's a lot of things to do in the script this week. Busy week. Busy week. Andrew Gabori reviewed Green Lantern Corps number seven, gave a story a two out of five and the art a four out of five, and nobody made their pick of the week. And Andrew says, let's be clear. John Stewart has killed a lot of Green Lanterns. It's kind of his thing. So it shouldn't be surprised the Alpha Lanterns are looking to take him down in order to enforce the law within the GL Corps. The premise and plotting of this issue aren't the problem. My serious misgivings come from execution. I feel like this story has been going on for some time. Maybe it's all filler for some of the Green Lantern writers from the other books who are all trying to match up the storylines, but this arc and story has been way too drawn out. We've all seen the angry Lantern... The answer... The la- eh. We've all seen the angry lantern argues with the green lantern, the guard. Oh my god! Wow, rough day. Angry lantern. Angry We've all seen the guardians. angry lantern argues with guardians. Did you know the guardians have no emotions and try to reason with logic alone? Of course you do, but it's explained again and again and again. Green Lantern Corps is the weakest of the Green Lantern books I'm pulling regularly, exactly because it isn't mining new material like GL proper or New Guardians. Hopefully, this title picks up with the end of this arc and we can get something new and fresh. I, I mean, I'm not, we we didn't pick this book up, but I feel like the way with all the Green Lantern books is that. Uh, and that's why I enjoy the, the animated ones, because I feel like I've been reading the other story for five years now. Yeah. So. Rough one. I don't read this one, but I can agree with you in general. Why, that why, why, why is he still reading it? Come back when it's good. Yeah. You don't like it. A two-story? You don't want to pay for a two-story. But you don't know it's beforehand just, unless you're psychic. Yeah, I know. But if, if, if history shows you a certain way, you can always go back. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, it's Green Lantern Corps. You know, it's fine. It's going to keep going. Is this the right name? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Middle Management Ronin. Ronin. <laughs> Fuck. Middle Management Ronin said of a hardcore number one, gave the story a three out of five and the art a four out of five, and nobody has it as the pick of the week. And he says, I would like to highlight the art on this book. Stealth Freeze has a dynamic feel for action pages. I love the small details he put on the fight choreography and how he's able to draw some of the, quote, seemingly important characters and made me truly believe that these people are integral to the story. It is seldom you see this in comics, and it's a welcome sight for me. The story is a high concept, but nothing revolutionary. The same can be said of the plot. We've seen these themes and plots before, but it matched together well enough for me not to worry about it too much and went with the flow. The lettering, the lettering kind of annoyed me on the first few panels mainly because it looks out of the ordinary, but you'll get used to it very quickly. Worth two ninety nine, just nothing special. This was the Kirkman pilot season that never came out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Self-Freeze is, is very good. Yeah, do, yes. you re- do you remember when Kirkman and Sylvester teamed up to do all the pilot season books? I didn't even realize they all didn't come out. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, they, I think like two came out. <laughs> there was a ton. Wasn't there supposed to be a ton of them? Yeah, there were like five of them or whatever. Yeah. 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 Well, all right. Self-Freeze is good though. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so... Yeah. Excellent. All right, so those are the books you uh, you reviewed and read and picked as your picks of the week. Go to ifanboy.com slash comics every week, and you do your pull list and rate and review your books. Get on the show. It's always good to hear what everyone else thinks because we are not alone in this world at all. I feel like I'm still crashing from the adrenaline high of the bell. I know. Do you need That's a method? a lot. Well, let's, I'll give you a break. All right, so let's dive into the emails. Our first email is from Sarah who writes and says, My friends and I recently did an all-ginger superhero matchup bracket. The final fight was between Wally West, Flat, the Wally West Flash, and Jean Grey Phoenix. I hear all the time how, once you think about it, the Flash is the most powerful character in the DCU. So who do you think would win, the Speed Force or the Phoenix Force? All right, for our for our American listeners, Ginger is redhead. That's a common uh, phrase that's a common, in America. Yeah, that's a common phrase. I, I feel yeah. like, well, if you're like a, if especially like a these days, it's like a meme. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, just helping. Well, I, I, as much as I love The Flash and Wally West, I feel as if the Phoenix just did that. That fight takes league is over like I'm that. I'm pretty sure that you're biased in her direction anyway. So yeah, that's not yeah, as much true. as I love. Yeah. You love her more. True. Yeah. Uh, oh. I, I still think it's hard to, anyone, for anyone to beat The Flash. Uh, the, the Phoenix, the, the Phoenix, yeah. planets. 
I was just hoping to see if Ron would explode. Yeah, that's nice. He almost did. If you were to do like a blood pressure test right now, you would definitely see a difference in the numbers. <laughs> that was really high pitched. I'm gonna go ahead and count that as a fourth voice. All right, there you go. <laughs> All right. So the Phoenix Force wins because it could destroy the planet the Flash is running around on. Phoenix Force wins. Yeah. Okay. She because she has control more easily. Oh, she doesn't have to use a treadmill to do any shit. Can she? Can she do time? No. She go back in time? No. She controls stuff like that. No, not that I know of. Okay, the answer is the Infinity Gauntlet. (laughs) (laughs) The ultimate all fire. (laughs) (laughs) Edward writes in. So I've spent the majority of the last few days catching up on Avengers, comma Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and I got to thinking: Have any of the animated universes, Marvel or DC, ever tried to set up interlocking series? For example, Marvel Disney could use the success of Avengers, both movie and the animated series, to set up a spin-off series, i.e., Captain America, Falcon, Hawkeye slash Black Widow, Iron Man, Extremis. These series would all exist within the same universe, and even sometimes have crossovers and/or events, just like comics. I feel like the closest thing that's ever come is the 90s Marvel animated stuff, and an argument could be made for the Timverse. So again, has this ever been attempted? Do you think it could happen, would happen, should happen? If HBO could do a five-night-a-week crossover drama in treatment, why can't Disney or Warner Brothers do an animated one? Well, in treatment, it wasn't a crossover drama. It was just a drama that aired five nights a week. Animation works too differently from comics. You can't just have multiple series running at the same time like that. Yeah, yeah because the air schedules don't always match, and they have to... Plan for Sometimes you get like five episodes and you don't see the show for three months and it comes back and they just cartoons are weird. Plus, I actually think they are going to do this. That's the rumor anyway. They We do know they're going to cancel Avengers with Mightiest Heroes after this season because now that Marvel has control of the animation, like they have control of the movies, they're, they want to do all their shows themselves. Earth's Mightiest Heroes isn't a Marvel animation show. Really? I thought it was because it's got Marvel people. No, it's they, they don't they don't control it as like Spider like they do Spider Man. So they're going to re- redo a new Avengers cartoon. Yeah, but the, somebody actually did that one well. I know, but I, it, it doesn't matter to them. They want I control. Know, I know, I know. So I they're going to. The rumor is it's going to be in the same world as the Spider-Man cartoon, which would make sense considering what they do with the co- movies. I but believe, it's very difficult to coordinate cartoons like that. Yeah, well, because they they have to schedule them for syndication and airing and DVD stuff like that. Like the the they wouldn't. It'd be hard to get them to sort of play into one another like that. Even making them sequential, you know, they have to do that sort of sparingly. But they did Earth Mighty Series. Didn't uh, the the Superman animated series and Batman animated series cross over? No, because they weren't at the same time. They didn't cross over, but Batman appeared on Superman. I don't know if Superman ever appeared on Batman, but I always felt like yeah. the Timverse was related. The Timverse was related. All yeah. those, so that, at least that version. Those and then, shows then, were in the same world. They just weren't yeah. on at the same time. They were they were consecutive. Yeah. And not, no, no. Yeah. Superman and Batman were on at the same time there at was a certain the, point. There was the Superman now, Batman hour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're yeah. right. Yeah. And I think there were a couple of episodes where they did cross over. I don't think so. Uh, I watched. I watched the entire Superman series for that I, article I wrote. I don't think they crossed over. I know Batman. They had a, there was a world's finest two parter that took place in the Superman cartoons, but didn't air in the Batman cartoons. Maybe, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That Superman show is still probably my favorite animated comic book adaptation. It was great. I used to but, love. Oh man, senior year of college when it was on at four o'clock on Channel Eleven. Did you watch Superman? Yeah, I watched. Yeah, it was the hour. I watched so the whole you, hour. You like Superman? Yeah, I liked the show. I thought it was great. I thought. I thought Superman was a little more. It was a little more. Smooth around the edges. That I prefer the I prefer the earlier Batman stuff. I always yeah. thought it was really violent. It was. It was shockingly violent and, and adult. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah but I, we've, we've, we've proven that Ron likes Superman outside of the comics. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, no, that's yeah, the question yeah. about that. He yeah. likes he likes Superman outside of he movies and TV shows. Yeah, yeah. That was a great show. 
Rowan writes and says, are there any comic series or comic book films that have not been critically well-received, like the Ultimatum or Fear Itself, that you actually really like? Personally, I really enjoy the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie and the Shadowlands storyline, which are both not considered to be successes. Hmm. Mm. I liked Ultimatum, so that would be one. Well, Ultimatum. He's talking about, wait, is he asking about movies? Both. Or any comic, comic series, series or film or that, that's not oh, critically well-received. that's just everything. Yeah. I, I mean, we talk about it, I've talked about it a lot, but I really like the Ed Norton Hulk movie. Yes, I like the whole. I like, I like the Ang Lee Hulk movie. Yeah, yeah I did too. Uh, I did too. And I like. You know how I feel about Eric Bana. I like the spirit. <laughs> that, that's out there. I remember liking the Daredevil movie the first time I saw it because I it thought too. it was going to be terrible. I've seen it since then, and it was it wasn't good. But the first uh-huh. time there was enough stuff in it, and I hadn't like we hadn't seen all that many comic book movies at that point. You know what I mean? Like not like now. When that was sort definitely of- a instance of wow, this is awesome. Yeah, and it's actually happened because it, it was one of the early movies. And then when I, I watched, I bought the DVD when it came out. I watched yeah. it. I couldn't make it five minutes in after. No, no, and you're like, hey, look, it's Frank Miller, you know, and yeah. <laughs> they named that guy Casada, you know, and the director's cuts must be very good. I tried watching the director's cut. I've heard I that. I, I, I don't believe it. Uh, that's what I've heard. Good, he's not a good director, so yeah. more of it isn't probably a good thing. Yeah, I'm trying to, no. Um, Shadowland, Shadowland was awful, by the way. So I'm sorry, Rowan, you're wrong there. Connor, where are you on on uh, the various Batman's? Because you seem like a guy who could find something to appreciate in things, but the, the movies, movies, yeah, yeah, Bob Kilmer, the, George the Schumacher era. Those are awful. Yeah. Okay, just just outright. I, mean, I liked them when I was twelve when they came out. And then you know, oh, as really? a, yeah, as an adult though, yeah, they're awful. I mean, as, but even as a kid, I knew Batman and Robin was terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed I Batman be- forever as a kid. I remember being really upset. Yeah, like I, I didn't even like Batman Returns that much. I liked it a lot. I mean, I you know, I, Batman the first one, eighty nine. That was a religion. That was. Yeah. I really don't think of it this way anymore. But at the time, that was a, that was a Star Wars kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I didn't like Returns that much because it's all it was all very. <clears throat> it's funny because they were, the whole thing they were marketed as being very serious and like this is not your daddy's Batman, which is ridiculous. But it was also it was really surreal, and goofy like in retrospect. Yeah, uh, it's much more Tim Burton, especially compared to you know the the Chris Nolan drown yourself at a funeral uh, movies now. Oh, so excited for Dark Knight Rises! All right, <laughs> <laughs> so if you email email us on contact at ifanboy.com and uh, maybe we'll read on the show. Maybe, well, if right. you're lucky. All right, on to the voicemails. Our first questions uh, about a movie that I can't wait to see come to reality. Hey, I fanboy, it's Ralph. So by now everyone saw Avengers and everyone saw Thanos was the guy at the end of the movie. So my thought is that there's a rumor that they're going to do a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So what if they use Thanos as the big bad in Guardians of the Galaxy and have him be like this awesome badass dude that just like rips through the Guardians of the Galaxy and makes his way to Earth. And that was the setup for Avengers 2. Um, just a thought. Love the movie. My favorite movie of my favorite um, comic book movie of all time. Love the show, guys. Thanks. Yeah, you think? That, that, would, that would be awful convenient, wouldn't hey, it? <laughs> now listen, I heard this rumor a long time ago, but we know people. How did you hear? <laughs> no, it's the uh, Figgy went on. He said that we were going to make Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yeah, like but... back, back. Well, no, so a couple of things. So if you remember correctly, I think we talked about it on the show. We talked about it on the Avengers show. In 2010 at San Diego, uh, Marvel in their booth for about five minutes showed off the Infinity Gauntlet prop. Yep. And when I took that legendary picture with the guy, the reflection of the guy, which I still love to this day, the guy, <laughs> and, and Feige or Feige or whatever said in interviews of all the movies they, they want to do, if Avengers is successful, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of them. That said, 
I don't think they're going to do a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I think now I think a Avengers movie is going to be Avengers Guardians of the Galaxy and it's going to be them fighting Thanos in space. It's just going to be Avengers in space. I don't think we're going to see you know, Vance Astro and or Star Groot. Or, or Groot or, you know, whether it's the modern Guardians or the old classic Guardians, I don't think we're going to see either of those because I think that's a little too outside the general movie public, but I think it'll be Avengers in space. It'll be Infinity. Can you Guard. imagine them trying to sell Rocket Raccoon? Yeah, exactly. exactly. And they sold Rocket Raccoon to me. Yeah. So that's yeah. not, that's no small thing. Yeah. I don't know. That's just, that's, that's my opinion now. I don't know if you guys agree with me or not, but it's, there's, there's, uh, there's literally no way to know. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just literally. It's literally. <laughs> Listen, we're all just shooting up our own ass here. Come on. <laughs> they haven't written a second Avengers movie yet. They don't even know if Josh Sweden's going to come back and do it. It would be ridiculous to not do a second Avengers movie in lieu of that. No, they're going. The question is, what are they going to do? Because we know that Thor and Captain America come next. At least what do they say? So. Are they going to hold Thanos in the back pocket until then? Is he going to well, be in the Thor got, well, movie? We we, well, we know we've got Thor. Well, Iron Man 3 is next. Yeah. And then Thor and then Captain America. They've, they've said they wanted to do a Black Widow and Hawkeye movie, although I think they should join them and just do a Black Widow Hawkeye movie. Yeah, the camp um, movie. They've said they want to do Guardians of the Galaxy. They've said they want to do Doctor Strange. They've said they want to do Ant- – well, Ant-Man has been in, in weird states of with Edgar Wright and stuff like that. Yeah, we're literally 30 years away at this point. Yeah, exactly. Now, what I would love to see is I would love to see a Nova movie leading the way to a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. That would make me very would. happy. So. This, is, this has nothing to do with anything. Nothing. This is just you being – Oh, it's me speculating. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. No, it's me no, saying no, no, what I'd like to speculating. see. Yeah. Wishful speculation. Wishful, wishful, wishful hoping, yeah. Yeah. But if you think about it, Marvel's never going to get Spider-Man back from Sony, and Nova is a lot like Spider-Man. Except, except not. <laughs> no, but yeah. It isn't because it's it's definitely not Spider-Man. <laughs> right. No, but in terms of like a teen kid no, getting power. It's definitely and... no, it's not because people know who Spider-Man is <laughs> and and Eric Larson knows who Nova is. <laughs> and you. There are more Nova fans out there than just me. Here's and another Eric one. Larson. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but there was a Green Lantern book who's a lot more like Nova than Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, it was the Green Lantern movie, I mean. And I don't believe that they're going to make another movie like that. Yeah. Because it was very bad and yeah. lost a lot of money. Yeah, there's, I think they said there's five or four, four or five movies that are actively being developed. They, they wouldn't. Two of them are secret. Yeah. So who knows what those two movies are? Yeah. We'll find the out. Fan, the Thanos movie, the movie <laughs> <of> Titan, <laughs> the Mad Titan. All right. So one more quick voicemail. Hi, this is Jeff from Texas. Um, I was listening to the podcast just now, and uh, Sean brought up an interesting point about Avengers versus X Men, and he said he's rooting for the X Men. Uh, because he's enjoying them more right now. He's enjoying the books more. And I'm rooting for the X-Men too, but I'm enjoying the Avengers more. Um, Uncanny X-Force and uh, Wolverine and the X-Men are the only X-Men books I read. I'm not really on Scott's side of the, of the schism. Uh, I read all the Avengers books, but I want to see the X-Men win because I've seen the story where the Avengers are right, but I've never seen Scott Summers put everything on the line like this and I, I really wanted to be right and I would love to read that story. So, just a thought. Um, what do you guys think? I agree that the, the X-Men books are better right now and I'm enjoying them more than the Avengers books. That being said, the Avengers should win because the X-Men are dirty mutants. They are. They, yeah. Listen, listen, you and your prejudice, I won't stand for it anymore. They're different than us and they should go away. <laughs> there should be a law. They should, put them should, in, be they should have their own camps. <laughs> That's it's awful. It's illegal for them. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's totally we can say really horrible things about them because they're, they're, fic- they're fictional. They should have right. their own water fountains. And oh, wow. This wow. is the most uncomfortable thing that Connor has ever said. <laughs> Connor. They're mutants. Oh, man. One of them could shoot shit out of his eyes. The other one can fly like a fucking bird. Oh, God. You know what I always found ridiculous about the whole mutant thing in Marvel Comics is that explain to me how they're any different than a regular person with superpowers. Right, they're not. I mean, they're genetically different. Yeah, that's, that's all. the leap of logic you've got to make, and to be like, for some reason they hate mutants, but not they don't hate. because well, they're because they're, they're born oh. different. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, they hate Spider-Man, Spider-Man too. He's got powers and stuff, but you're not a mutant. Oh, you're cool with me. You're one of the good ones. They hate Spider-Man yeah. too because he's a menace. I mean, I guess yeah, that goes to show you that the ridiculous of prejudice to begin with. But it's just funny that you, yeah. you know, for some reason, they're okay with you know Miss Marvel, but they're not okay with. They're they're, they're super cool with Captain America. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're Aryan poster boy. Yeah. So in the Marvel Universe, they must be cool with like Mark McGuire and like Roger Clemens. Oh yeah, no, they're cool. They love they love their Twitter accounts. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So if you have any questions, you can call us at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. And let's wrap this sucker up. Sucker up. Wow. I have a headache from that bell segment. You you should really. That really, that really did a number on you. I, I, like, I, I, didn't eat, I didn't eat lunch today, so doing, you know, that could be it. Yeah, that could be it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so um, in case you haven't heard, uh, me and some friends of mine are throwing a comic convention this September in Vegas uh, with Grant Morrison called MorrisonCon. I promise you it's going to be an unforgettable weekend. Go to MorrisonCon.com for all the information. Tickets are on sale now. Would love it if I could meet you and see you there. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun, so definitely check that out at MorrisonCon.com. Additionally, we do another podcast on iFanboy called iFanboy Don't Miss, uh, where we talk to a creator about a book coming out this upcoming week. I talked to Kyle Higgins earlier this week about Nightwing number nine. So if you read Nightwing number nine, you can hear more about it and what Kyle Higgins was thinking going into it. And next week, Paul talks to Jeff Lemire about Justice League Dark number nine as Lemire takes over Justice League Dark. An interesting time for the uh, Jeff Lemire. Definitely take a listen to that. Subscribe to it on iTunes or go to ifanboy.com on Monday to listen to it. It comes out on Monday. The uh, Make Comics podcast is another one of our, our short-form podcasts that comes out every Wednesday. It's just moved to its own feed, so make sure you look that up and subscribe to that one. Uh, I'm talking to uh, Andy Schmidt every week, uh, former editor for Marvel and senior editor for IDW, has been around comics for a very long time on that side of the desk, and there's all sorts of fun advice that, that he has and big guesses that I have. That's kind of how it works. Uh, in addition, I've also got uh, – we've got some good talks loads coming up. That's as much as I'm telling you. We've got some good ones. Similar to that, actually, uh, I did a independent Voices in Comics panel at a comic store here in Los Angeles. We recorded it uh, as a podcast, and it was very. It covers similar ground to make comics. Or Jim McCann, a uh, writer of Mind the Gap and Dapperman, and Dave Campo and Jeremy Rogers, who are writing the new book, their first time indie creators, uh, Sparrow and Crow, and Ed LaRoche, who is a self-published indie creator. He puts his own books out, doesn't use Diamond. And then Darren Davis, the proprietor. We talked about the indie comics, you know, the state of indie comics, you know, the troubles of making them, selling them, marketing them. To the store's perspective, all the stuff. Basically, it's an hour-long conversation going over the various different issues with indie comics these days. So check that out if you're interested. It's on the feed behind the show, uh, Independent Voices in Comics. And you can find that at ifanboy.com along with this podcast, Don't Miss, all, uh, Make Comics, all the other podcasts we've got, and tons of great posts and writing and stuff like that throughout the week. If you didn't catch the uh, Rejected Watchmen merchandise earlier this week, you missed out. That was a lot of fun. That was a high point. Um, as well as some real interesting discussions about comics, both from a critique standpoint and a business standpoint. We cover we cover it all. So go to ifanboy.com. You can see it all there. Um, and you can stay on top of it and not miss a thing by following us on Twitter, twitter.com slash ifanboy or facebook.com slash 
slash ifanboy. You can write to us at contact at ifanboy.com, which is an email address. So you'll have to use uh, an address and a mail app for that. Or you can use your telephone. Uh, or you can even do it through Skype and call 888-FANBOYS-326-2697 to leave us a voicemail. The purposes of these can be myriad. You can ask us questions that we can put on the show. You can ask us inappropriate questions that we will delete. You can. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. You can, uh, of course, leave us a voicemail for the show. But if you do and you want it to be on the show, be cognizant of the fact that the shorter and more succinct you are, the better. And say your name and where you're from at the beginning because that's better, too. Yes. Even though sometimes you'll talk in a way that we'll know exactly where you're from. <laughs> Finally, if you like the show or the Make Comics show or any of the shows we do or any of the podcasts you listen to, please go to iTunes and write a review. Uh, it helps the shows. It helps the shows find an audience. It's, it takes no time at all. Just put a couple words in there and a star rating and be on your way. You know, have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> We're not off, asking for a lot. Off with yeah. you, my boy. <laughs> Out you go. I'll eat you. <laughs> wow. Yeah, ginger wee foo. We, cha- we, we changed the world this week, guys. We added something new to the fo- comics podcasting landscape I didn't think could be done, but f- over 40 reviews in one show, thanks to the Super Bell. Are you, we're not counting the ones that I didn't read? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm keeping those in. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's going to be your pull quote on some book someday. <laughs> I didn't read this. I didn't get a chance to read it, iFanboy. That would be the best. Yeah. <laughs> that would, I would love that. Who edits these? <laughs> All right, so until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I'm Josh. Welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick the Week Cup. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Pick the Week Cockcast. Three, two. Hey, welcome to the iFanboy. Why? This is, this is different. Who changed this? It's not. <laughs> Three, two. Just a suggestion. Three. <laughs> Why is the L in my name lowercase? Three. Where? <laughs> that doesn't really count as an error in the script, but I don't know. It's diminishing somehow.